awesome job. That was great. <laughs> so, uh, again, if you maybe came in a little bit uh, late because of the traffic out there, my name is Kevin. I have the joy of serving as the lead pastor here. And if you've been coming to this church in the season that I have been seasoned, uh, the senior pastor here, um, I, you'll hear me say this all the time when it comes to worship, that God should be able to pluck you out of this city and drop you into any language or any style of worship and your heart should be okay. So I just tested that today. <laughs> So there'll be a quiz later on the way out. You can send your emails on how your heart did. (laughs) Send me your email. Let me know how your heart did. Any language, any culture, it's about Jesus. It's about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who died for our sin and comes into our lives and knits us together as a family. Doesn't always feel like family. Some of us feel like the strange cousin that no one wants to talk to. But we knits us together as a family and as he blesses us, we in turn become a blessing to the entire world. Back in 1971, five families were feeling a burden to, for this east end of the city. Now, 50 years ago, the east end of this city did, didn't look like it looks today. <laughs> it looks like a completely different place. But in 1971, this burden began to really stir up into the heart of these five families and they had their very first worship service in the fall of 1972 and that's why we celebrate these 50 years of this burden that God put into the heart of these families and from that fall of 1972 until a little bit later on when the fellowship of evangelical baptist churches recognized greenbelt church as an official church in our fellowship at some point in that Time period, uh, this was written down that God had given a purpose. God gave a purpose of why they were gathering, of what they were hoping God was going to accomplish. And let me read that. And now it's amazing how 50 years make you need glasses. Okay. <laughs> this was the purpose that was written for Greenbelt Church. It says Greenbelt Church exists to worship God and to draw people closer to God through Jesus Christ by personal evangelism, ongoing discipleship, and nurturing relationships. So if you were there 50 years ago, or maybe 40 years ago, even 30 years ago, man, even 20 years ago, and if you were to walk around and look at everything that's happening, you might walk around and go, oh my goodness, this church has gone off the rails. This place is crazy. I don't know if they even love Jesus anymore because they've got, what's this computerized drum thing? Is that like of the devil? What is this? What are these cameras? What is this internet thing? What is this church online? All of these things. Kids ministry, we got, you know, with different styles and all these things that go on. We can easily look at the externals. And we can judge the work of God by what we see externally. But today, I don't want to give a sermon. I want to give encouragement that this purpose that was jotted down five decades ago still drives everything that happens here. It looks completely different. That's why I had Tim read from Isaiah chapter 43 that God is in the business of doing something completely and totally new. See, Isaiah chapter 43 is written to a context where the people of Israel are in exile. 
What does exile mean? Exile means they were kicked out of their home, that their enemies came in and destroyed their way of life. And so they're living in exile. They're slaves. They can't worship God the way they want to worship. They can't go to the temple. They can't offer sacrifices. Their entire way of living has been completely abolished and destroyed. And God says, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do a new thing. That's how God works. And then he tells them in that context, again, they're still in slavery. They're not back home yet. And then God says, you know those old ways? Don't worry about those anymore. Because I'm going to do a new thing. Now, what are the old ways that's talking about? Well, there's two kind of key thoughts when it thinks about the old ways. The first is, don't worry about your slavery anymore. Don't worry about that. Yes, there were consequences for your sin. Sin had to be dealt with, but I'm going to restore you. I'm going to make you a great nation again. Don't worry about your slavery. There's also, as you study the text and you study all the chapters leading up to it, that God's also telling them, remember your former glory that you boast about and brag about to all the nations? Don't remember that anymore either. Because I might want to do something completely different that you will not even be able to recognize. And that's been the history of the people of God through Israel. And it's been the history of the church. That as culture around us rapidly changes, rapidly changes, God constantly calls his children, celebrate the past. Rejoice and have your festivals. Have your Baptist potluck. And we're going to have some good food today, okay, in that tradition. But don't ever let that become your idol. If that becomes your idol, you move off of the purpose of what God has for the church. Greenbelt Baptist Church exists to worship God. To draw people closer to God through Jesus Christ by personal evangelism, ongoing discipleship, and nurturing relationships. So I just want to spend a few minutes today to encourage our church family. Those of you who've been here for 50 years, those of you who've been here for five days, those of you who are wondering if God is calling you to be a part of this work that he's doing here in our city and around the world, whether in English or whether in Arabic or who knows, maybe in another language one day. I want us to look at these purposes that God gave to Greenbelt all those years ago. And I want to kind of unpack this big idea for us today is that God's unchanging purpose is accomplished in new ways. God's unchanging purpose for the church is constantly accomplished in new ways. Let's break down that purpose statement again, and let's talk for a few minutes about worship. Worship is one of my favorite topics. Uh, I love I love talking about worship because for some reasons, as someone who came to Christ in his 20s, I grew up in a French-Canadian, very traditional, very legalistic uh, type of faith where every single one of us who grew up in that walked away from it. 
Okay, we had no interest in a God who hates you. Because that's the way I was raised. God hates you because I'm a little hyper. And back when I was a little kid, I would have been on every single drug that the nurse gives out in schools, okay, to get me to sit down and be quiet. And I was told by religious leaders, because I couldn't sit still in class, God hates you. So why would anyone follow that God? And so that's how I grew up. And then I started attending this crazy thing called church after I learned about Jesus on this crazy new thing in 19, uh, sorry, 1998 called the Internet. You didn't have Internet. How many people had Internet in their home in 1998? A couple of hands, not many. And it was dial up. You kids have no clue. Well, what is this old man talking about? You have no concept of the struggle that we had in the 90s with the Internet. Okay? And through an Internet ministry on a dial-up modem, I learned about Jesus. And I bought a Bible because I didn't believe a single thing these people said to me. And then through the power of the Word of God, I gave my life to Jesus. And I told them anywhere, any place, any time. I'll declare your glory. Let's go. And then I started going to this weird thing called church. Church is weird. We are weird. We really are. And I say that in all love and respect. And I started attending a church and I saw grown men calling each other horrible names in the name of Jesus over the volume of a guitar over moving a piano, over placing a drum in the building or not. Horrible, horrible words to one another as children of God over something that's not about us. That worship is about God. That's why I say all the time, I should be able to pick you up, put you on an airplane, drop you into any church on this planet, and your heart should be okay with that. Because our heart is to reflect what Jesus has done for us. That Jesus died for us. That the Holy Spirit comes into us and makes us new. And he brings us comfort and counsel and encouragement and correction. And he gives us strength and power and spiritual gifts to accomplish the will of God in our lives and in our church family. Worship is crucial to the life of the church. And that's what happened in Isaiah In Isaiah's day, it was a worship problem that they had become so in love with their methods. They became so in love with their tradition. They became so in love with their regulations, how you had to dress, what animals could be sacrificed, who was allowed into the building, where could you stand. Certain people could only come into certain parts. They loved all of that stuff. And God said from the beginning of Isaiah and Isaiah chapter 1 all the way to the end of Isaiah chapter 66, God said, your heart is far from me. There's something wrong with your worship. That's why for 12 years we've put a big focus on our hearts of worship. What happens in this room, what happens online, what happens in your car on the way is the furnace that fuels Everything that a church does. If you have bad worship, you 
don't have a church. When you have people fighting and divisive and calling people horrible things over a style of a song, you have moved out of brother and sisterly love that God calls us to. Worship is a big, important deal to God. And so we worship. And so we worship. And we worship. And it's okay to have a style. It's okay to have a preference. I have one too. You've never heard it. Because if I did it here, you'd fire me. It would be loud, loud, and your ears would bleed. Okay, that's and some hands are going, amen, bring it, brother. Okay, it's okay to have a style, but we want to focus on your heart. Think about how worship has changed over 50 years. Think about what worship could look like in 10 years. I remember years ago, I was at Rock the Capitol. This was this Billy Graham evangelistic concert that was happening here in our city. And I was there with one of our elders, and we were on the prayer team. These two old guys are there in the prayer team, hoping teenagers are going to accept Jesus. And so we're praying with them, and we're watching these bands. And my apologies, I don't remember who the bands were. I just remembered it wasn't my music. It wasn't Chris Tomlin or Michael W. Smith. Okay, it was, I just dated myself there, okay? But it wasn't my music. And these kids, by the hundreds, were worshiping God. Worshiping God. Tears coming down in their eyes. Worshiping the God who loved them so much that he would send Jesus to die for them. And one of my elders looked over at me and said, Kev, when are we going to start worshiping that way on Sunday morning? And I was still new here, and I said, when you make that happen... Because I don't want the emails. We live in fear of this, people. And we need to check our hearts. What will worship look like in 10 years? What will worship look like in 20 years? What will worship look like if Jesus doesn't return? What will worship look like in 50 years? I have no clue. But it won't look like what we just did. And our hearts have got to praise Jesus in that. Because God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. We talk about in the purpose of our church, personal evangelism, that we're going to see people come and know who Jesus is by personally talking about Jesus. Right? The prophet Isaiah reminds the people of God of this important thing. You are being blessed by God in order to be a blessing to all the nations. That started right with Abraham. Where God said, I'm going to bless you so much. Your descendants. He's talking to a man who didn't think he could have descendants. Didn't think he could have children. Was worrying where his money and his, uh, his property was going to go. And God said, I'm going to give you so many children, you'll never be able to count them all. Be like the grains of sand in the sea, the stars in the sky. You're going to have a ginormous family. He's talking about you and me. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to do that, not so you can just hoard the blessings of God, but so that you can be a blessing to the whole nations. And when that's being reminded to the prophet Isaiah to speak this to the people of God, again, he's saying this to people in slavery. You will bless your masters. No, thank you. You will be a blessing to your enemies. I'll pass. You will bless those who persecute you. You will pray for those who hate you. You will show respect and dignity and pray for the government that you hate. 
I'm poking just a little bit today, lovingly, okay? That's what I do here, okay? Because you're called to be a blessing. You are called to personally let people know about Jesus. You don't hire a pastor to be the only person to tell people about Jesus. You hire a pastor to equip you, to show you how, to say, follow me as I follow the example of Jesus. And let's actually do this together. And again, evangelism over 50 years of the ministry of our church has looked very, very different. Sometimes it's been big programs. Sometimes it's been alpha. Sometimes it's been through the youth ministry, through the kids ministry, through Sunday morning, seeker sensitive, all of these things that we wrestle with. But at the end of the day, in this world that we live in today, people need to see your life. They need to see see your authentic faith and your authentic life. That guess what? Just because I'm a follower of Jesus and I go to Greenbelt Church on Sundays and I go to a life group and I volunteer in a ministry, I'm not perfect. I still struggle. I still make mistakes. But I know the God who walks with me through all of those. I know the God who guides. I know the God who speaks. I know the God who brings comfort. I know the God who brings healing. So why don't you just come on that journey with me? The world doesn't need you to tell them how much they suck. They already know. I already know I suck. Excuse my language. If you're not a comfortable, that's again, God has changed the language of the church in 50 years. That word's okay now, I think. Send me an email if it's not, and Elise will answer you back. God bless Elise. I love her dearly. Um, The world doesn't need you to condemn them. Jesus actually told you that, that God didn't send his one and only son into the world to condemn it, but to save it, because the world is already condemned in their sin, and they need us to bring hope to them through our personal lives of bringing them to Jesus. Our purpose of our church is ongoing discipleship. I love talking to Christians who think they've made it, that they've arrived, that their faith is perfect, that their walk with Jesus was perfect, that their understanding of the Bible is perfect. And again, I, and this is just my, probably my spiritual gift of prophet, I guess a little bit where I go, great. Can you teach me? Because I'm far from perfect. I still struggle with certain teachings of the Bible. There are some verses that, boy, oh boy, I wish weren't there if I was honest. And i got to wrestle with and work through. And guess what? The things that I held very firmly 25 years ago when I came to Jesus, and I was walking around punching people with those opinions, I actually don't believe those things anymore. And so all those people that I punched with that doctrine, that truth... I have so much repenting to do. (laughs) You and I have so much repenting to do as God works in us and God guides us and God leads us. But that's what discipleship is. Sometimes it's a program. Sometimes it's a course. Sometimes it's a, a seminary lecture. Sometimes it's a guest speaker. Sometimes it's an online tool. But at the end of the day, discipleship is just simply about following the master of becoming more and more like Jesus that every single day you and I have a faith step to take to become a little bit more like Jesus today and tomorrow to become a little bit more like Jesus again. And eventually I'm going to step out of the light and take another little step towards Jesus. Okay. 
All of us. And that's, again, the role of the church. We don't exist to entertain you. I don't. Greenbelt Church does not exist to entertain you. Greenbelt Church exists to see you become more like Jesus. And we'll poke in love and we'll prod and we'll correct and we'll discipline and we'll do all of these things to see God's glory in your life as you and I become more and more like Christ through ongoing discipleship. And then finally, one of Greenbelt's purposes, this is all being done through nurturing relationships. Healthy, godly relationships is crucial in the life of a church, of any church, of any denomination, of any size. When toxic relationships get into the church, they don't last. And I've seen it again and again and again. And we've witnessed it, sadly, over the last two and a half years, where toxic religion, uh, toxic relationships and toxic opinions were allowed to be more important than the hope that we have that Jesus died for the world, that Jesus will come again, and we get distracted, and we speak horribly about brothers and sisters in the Lord. Lord, have mercy on us. Fifty years ago, five families got together with the purpose of praying for one of their kids that was sick. That's how all of this started, through relationship One family struggling with the health of one child, not knowing what to do. And their friends came around them and prayed and prayed and prayed, and God's healing came. That happens in the context of those relationships. Until 50 years ago, it looked one way. 40 years ago, it looked another way. 30 years ago. Even when I got here 12 years ago, to the day, I moved in 12 years ago today, okay? When I got here, everybody knew everybody. And very quickly, we turned into a church where I don't know everybody anymore. And this is why moving forward, we are adamant that we are not going to be a church where you feel like you need to know everybody. Get rid of that. That's just going to make you feel guilty and miserable. But everybody needs to be known. Everybody needs to be known because each and every one of us has a story. Each and every one of us are celebrating something. Each and every one of us are hurting in some way. Each and every one of us need prayer. Each and every one of us need encouragement. Each and every one of us needs a little kick in the backside some days to become more like Jesus. And that can only be done in the context of a meaningful relationship. You don't need some stranger to tell you how to live your life. You need a godly brother, a godly sister walking with you in those relationships to see you grow, to see you mature. Everyone, everyone in our church must be known. That's why this time of year we launch life groups and we encourage you to sign up for those. Everyone, we want everyone to be known. So 50 years of ministry, God, praise the Lord. But today looks radically different, radically different than it looked in the 70s. Because God's unchanging purpose is accomplished in new ways. God's unchanging purpose is accomplished in new ways. 
And so my encouragement to you, no matter, maybe you were part of Greenbelt and you're coming back to visit us this weekend and then as God sends you out to be a part of the body of Christ wherever you are. Maybe you were part of Greenbelt here for a while and you left and you're thinking about coming back and you don't know if I should come back. Well, I left and does that mean Pastor Kevin's going to interview me again? Yes, but as friends... Because I want to know how you're doing, okay? Things like that, right? But God has a plan. God has a purpose for knitting us together as a family. And I firmly believe God wants to bring more and more of his glory to this city or the nation's capital. The decisions that are made here by men and women impact the entire world. The impact that your life, that your faith can have on the whole world can be just by blessing one neighbor. And you bless that one neighbor, and guess what? That one neighbor works in a political office, and you didn't even know that. And through your blessing that one neighbor, then they suddenly go and bless that office, and then God's spirit begins to make changes. We don't need to protest. We don't need signs. We don't need placards. We need the power of God at work in this city. More vibrant, growing Christians. Speak in English. Speak in Arabic. Speaking whatever. Speaking Spanish. Speaking whatever your language is today. That is what we need. And I firmly believe that is what God is doing in our day. So be encouraged, church. Be encouraged that God is doing a new thing. That he might challenge you, he might push you, he might correct you, and I welcome it for myself, I welcome it for us as a church. <laughs> because we know that his purpose is going to be accomplished. That we're going to see more and more people come to know Jesus. And maybe you're here today, and you got dragged here by a family member, and you're going, man, this Jesus thing, I'm not even too sure I believe it. If you're watching online, you're not too sure that you even believe it. Guess what? Neither did I. <laughs> In 1997, I hated the church and hated God. I thought the church was a scam to get your money. Firmly believe that. It's a scam. It's for weak-minded people who are not smart enough to deal with the problems of life. That was my view of church. And then I read this. And I read about God's amazing love. God doesn't expect me to keep 613 rules and regulations. God doesn't expect me to wear a suit on Sunday. I fooled all of you. I'm wearing jeans. Those of you are like, finally, Pastor Kevin's wearing a suit. I still wear jeans. Okay? <laughs> it's not about that. It's about God's incredible love for you. That you and I have something called sin. And you know it. I don't need to tell you about it. You know what it is. You know that relationship that you have. You know that struggle that you have. You know that bad attitude that you have. You know it because I know mine. <laughs> but God wants to heal you of that. God wants to forgive you of that. And when Isaiah the prophet was declaring that God is doing a new thing, a new thing is coming where he's going to bless all the nations, it wasn't through rebuilding the temple and start sacrificing goats again. <laughs> It wasn't about kind of everyone pick up a dove on the way to church and break its neck on the way to, on, inside the church. Don't do that. That's frowned upon today. Okay? But it's that God's love would be shown on the cross where Jesus would die 
for your sin and mine. And you can welcome that right where you are. The Bible says if you just believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you confess with your mouth that he rose, that the Spirit of God comes on you and you're forgiven. And then you are instantly a part of the family of God. And you instantly become part of God's purpose in your family, in your work, in your school, wherever God might send you. So maybe today, online or here in person, maybe some of you want to pray for the first time, Father, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me new. If you pray that way online, if pop-up shows up, please click that and let us know. 170 people have clicked that button to accept Jesus during the pandemic. Who would have thought of that 50 years ago? Anyone? Anyone? No, God's doing a new thing. Here in this room, God wants to do a new thing in you. And it starts with following him. So let's all do that together. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you again for the 50 years of ministry at Greenbelt, the 10 years of ministry of Jesus, light of the world. And Father God, I pray, as we've already been praying, that you would do even more, that you would bless even more, that you would heal even more, you would draw more people to you, and we would see so many lives transformed. Because God, you have an unchanging purpose in your church, your unchanging purpose to seek and save the lost, (laughs) of seeing... Christians mature in their faith into the mission of seeking and saving the lost. And God, you constantly accomplish this in new ways. So God, we ask that we can honor the past today and be excited for the future and all that you want to do. Because God, you created this church. It's not our church. It's not my church. It's not the leader's church. It's not the founder's church. It's your church. And you created this church to worship God and to draw people closer to God through Jesus Christ by personal evangelism, ongoing discipleship, and nurturing relationships. So we pray that that work would continue for generations to come 